Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. Well, good morning. Thank kids K through second can go to the back to be with Miss Whitney and Miss Karen. Uh, one of the things that the, the video didn't say is, so the reason it has such a diverse audience is because the government requires that that radio station is always being played. And so it's able to reach a lot more people than those who would just tune in. So it's a really great ministry opportunity. Uh, good morning. My name is Pastor Jeremy Bass. It's great to be with you all here today. I'm the pastor of a uh, main preacher here at this service and the pastor of discipleship at the church. It's great to be with you all this morning. We are in the second week of Advent, and the second week of Advent, we light the candle of peace. So week one was the candle of hope, hope of Jesus coming again, hope of Jesus coming in a manger, and then today we light the candle of peace, knowing that Jesus Christ, when he comes in flesh, he comes as our peace. And we're in the second week of our Advent sermon series called Undistanced. Undistanced, about how this past almost two years, we've been acutely aware of what it feels like to be distant from other people. We know what it feels like to be distanced from people physically. We know what it feels like to be distant from people emotionally. And we also sometimes know what it feels like to be distant spiritually from God. And how as we were looking at Advent and about how God draws near that Christ when he comes in the person of Jesus Christ and the second person of the Trinity condescends to us and takes on human flesh, that God draws near and undistances himself from us. There was a 400-year gap of silence between the last book of the Old Testament and then Jesus coming in the world. There was this 400 years of silence, this 400 years of seeming distance from the people of God until God chooses to come and condescend to our level. Last week we looked at God drawing near to us, and today we're looking at God hearing us. If you have your Bibles and you want to open up, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5, going all the way through 25. It's a story of Zechariah and Elizabeth about the birth of John the Baptist. Hear the word of the Lord. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, both of whom were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. 
He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you, to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he had stayed in the temple for so long. When he came out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time of service had been completed, he returned home. After, that, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people." Word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, in the ancient world, in the days of Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, being childless was one of the worst things that could happen to you. There was no social security in those days. Surprise, surprise. And so in order to take care of you when you were older, you needed to have kids who could support you and take care of you. We still kind of have that a bit today. When me and my brother went into the ministry, my dad joked with us that he now has to actually save for retirement now because he couldn't just rely on us when he got older. There's sort of this expectation that when we're older, our kids will take care of us, right? It's sort of an unspoken expectation. Well, even in those days, it was an even more... Uh, bigger expectation placed on kids to take care of their parents. In fact, in the book of James, uh, it says that for children who don't care, take care of their aging parents, they are, worse than the, they are worse than the ungodly person who does that. That it was this really big deal in society to take care of your aging parents. And so to be childless was to sort of not have your safety blanket, to not have your future secure, and it was seen in those days as a curse. It was seen in those days as a curse from God that, you know, sometimes we think that because when bad things happen to us, it's because of our sin. And so people, when they saw Zachariah and Elizabeth, they must have thought that it was because of their sin that they did not have kids. But the scripture tells us it's the exact opposite. That starts off with, it's these holy and righteous people. That there's no reason for them to be in the situation that they're in. And yet they find themselves childless. And yet they find themselves in this dire strait. They find themselves, as Elizabeth says in verse 25, the Lord has taken away my shame. They find themselves in a place seemingly distant from God, in a place seemingly distant from their community. So we have this holy and righteous people. And scripture insists it's not because of anything they've done that they have this happen to them. Instead, it's just a tragedy. And the Lord speaks into this tragedy, into this heartache, into their place of desperation. Luke 1, 11. 
Then the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right hand of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. So as we look at this idea of God drawing closer to us, of God not being distant from us, we learn this truth that God hears your prayers. That God hears your prayers. God heard the prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and God hears our prayers as well. Most likely the prayer that's being answered here in the scripture, I think, is Elizabeth and Zechariah's long prayer for a child. It's this heart-wrenching prayer that they've most likely been praying for decades. And also most likely when they got older and older that that prayer had ceased to be prayed. It was that prayer that they had been praying long ago that the Lord comes to him and says, this is what I am answering now. Scripture often talks about him interacting with childless women in Scripture. Three of the four matriarchs, the the foundation of the people of Israel, uh, were childless until the Lord came and blessed them with a child. Uh, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, wives of the, the patriarchs of the faith. And then we also have Hannah, the mother of Samuel, one of the great prophets in Israel's history. That God heard their prayers. God heard their cries for desperation and responded to them. That God does the exact same thing here in the New Testament. That God hears your prayers just like he heard the prayers of this couple. It's interesting, the, there's a lot of different Greek words for prayer and the Greek word that's used here is desis. It's this, not a regular prayer, it's this idea of a plea, this heart-wrenching sense of urgency, sense of desperation prayer. It's those heart-wrenching prayers that we pray. So when the angel says to, to Zechariah, the Lord has heard your prayer, the Lord has heard the plea of your heart. The Lord has heard the cry of your heart. The Lord has heard your cry of desperation. It's that heart-wrenching prayer that we often make, these prayers that are the cries of our heart, that God hears those raw, unsanitized prayer, that God hears our desperate prayers. Going back to Hannah, the mother of Samuel, who was childless as well, like Elizabeth, it says this in 1 Samuel 1.10, that Hannah goes into the temple and it says this is how she prayed. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. These dacious prayers are the prayers that we pray when we feel distant from God. These prayers that we pray when we feel like God has abandoned us. When we feel like God has left us. Those bitter, tear-filled prayers that when we say those heart-wrenching prayers, we can trust that the Lord hears the cry of our heart. That the Lord hears the cry of our heart.
again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. There was this moment this past week, uh, Friday actually, after the sermon was already written, that I was really frustrated with something that was going on, and I was venting to Erica about it. And after I'd done that for probably too long, uh, Erica says to me, you know that you can uh, pray this to God, right? Like, he can handle your frustrations. And it's like, well, that's great, because that's literally what I was going to talk about on Sunday. So thanks for the reminder. (laughs) And she was right. And so that next day, that next morning in my prayer time, I did exactly that. I just laid all those frustrations that I felt like maybe I couldn't have prayed because they weren't the right way to pray or maybe they weren't the correct thoughts. But I just, I laid out all those frustrations before the Lord. And sort of at the, near the end of me venting to God now instead of venting to Erica, I felt this sort of peace of the Lord just descend upon me, just knowing that he heard my prayers, that he heard my frustration. He heard the cry of my heart. And he was with me in the middle of all that. I think sometimes we don't want to pray these prayers because we think maybe that the Lord won't hear them or the Lord won't accept them. Or maybe we won't pray them because we're afraid of what the answer will be. That we're so afraid that God will say no to the prayer that we never even ask him in the first place. I know that was my instance. I've mentioned this before. Uh, that I had anxiety, but I never prayed for the Lord to heal it until the Lord told me, hey, you know that you can pray for me to heal this, right? You know that this is something you can ask, right? That I was so afraid that if I prayed for it, that that God's answer would be no, that I'd never taken the moment to consider what if God's answer is yes. So we let our fears sometimes prevent us from praying those heart wrenching prayers and bringing them before the Lord. My professor in undergrad in my healing class, he talked about how when we take these prayers to God, sometimes what we want is just his divine power. That we want to sort of spiritually manipulate God in order to get him to do what we want. He says when we're doing that, it's no better than us being an African shaman, manipulating spiritual forces in our lives. And he said, what God wants is not just to give us his divine power to change things, that the Lord wants us to have an encounter with him, where he restores not just the situation that we're in, but restores the deepest parts of our soul, restores the deepest parts of our heart that are broken as well. That the Lord just doesn't want to give us things, but he wants to restore the whole of our heart. And that's what the Lord does with Zechariah and Elizabeth. I love this in verse 14. The angel says to Zechariah, he will be a joy and delight to you. He will be a joy and delight to you. That this is the first thing that the angel says about John to Zechariah. Before the angel says, this is all that John will do 
before all the wonderful things that John the Baptist will do, the angel's first and primary concern is that this son that you are going to be given will be a joy and delight to you. That the Lord cares about the hearts of Zechariah and Elizabeth. That the Lord doesn't just send John the Baptist to prepare the way of Jesus, but also to restore joy and delight to Zechariah and Elizabeth because of his great love for them. Because the real underlying question behind this feeling of distance, behind this question of does God really hear me is, does God really care for me? Does God really care for me? Does he hear me when I'm feeling this way, when I'm crying out this way, or am I just shouting into a void? The world says that we are shouting into a void. The world says that we live in an uncaring universe that doesn't care for us and that we're fundamentally alone. But the message of Scripture, the good news of the gospel, is that we are not alone. That we have a God who hears the cries of our hearts, that when we pray, when we cry out, in the night when we pray these bitter prayers, when we pray these frustrations, that we are not crying out to a God who does not hear us. In fact, it's the exact opposite, that God does hear us and God does answer prayers and that he draws near to us and listens to us and hears us and is with us in the brokenness. You know, I have a really bad habit of not listening to my wife as well as I should. Uh, it, Erica thinks it's probably a worse habit than I do. Um, thank you. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll just be listening and then she'll be talking a really long time and I'll maybe just stop listening in the middle of it. And sometimes we, we do that with people. We know we shouldn't. Like, I know that it's bad that I do that with Erica. I know that it's really bad and she often calls me out on it. And sometimes uh, we'll just stop listening and we'll, we'll listen half-heartedly to people. We'll listen halfway to people. And I think sometimes we think that's how God listens to us. That God's doing a bunch of other things and maybe he'll hear us if he has time. That God hears maybe part, part of what we're praying, but he doesn't really hear the real underlying issue behind it. But when God hears our prayers, he hears every word we say, every syllable we speak, every intonation within our voice, every emotion we're feeling when we say those words, the, the unspoken and the even unfelt emotions when we pray, the unspoken words that we want to pray but we can't, that the Lord hears every aspect of our prayer when we take it to him, that that is how God hears us when we pray. Not a half-heartedly half-listening prayer, but a deep, whole, my undivided attention is on you prayer. That God hears our prayers and he answers them. And he answers them. I love this Wesley quote in Wesley's commentary on scripture. He writes this about this verse. Let us observe with pleasure that the prayers of pious pious worshipers come up with acceptance before God to whom no costly perfume is so sweet as the fragrance of an upright heart. An answer of peace was here returned when the case seemed to be most helpless. 
Let us wait patiently for the Lord and leave to his own wisdom the time and manner wherein he will appear for us. God hears our prayers and God answers our prayers. The hard part of the faith is that sometimes the answers are not what we want them to be. And I don't know why that is. I wish I could give easy answers. I wish I could give easy answers that if you do X, Y will always happen, but that's not the way that the faith actually lives out. Sometimes the answer is unexpected. Sometimes the answer is unexpected like we see here in the text. That Elizabeth and Zachariah prayed for a child and it didn't come till they were old which is unexpected. It's not what you would think would happen. But the Lord answers our prayers. The Lord hears the cries of our heart. I think sometimes we expect the Lord to act like a vending machine. If I put in X quarter, if I put in enough prayer quarters and I hit the right buttons, then out will come exactly what I want. Or sometimes we'll think God is like Amazon where I I click one button, I say one prayer, and then, Lord, I expect it to be here in two to three days. And if it's here in four days, uh, I'm going to lose my mind because that's not what I, it's not what I ordered. I wanted it here now, and if it's not here now, I'm going to be upset. And sometimes the Lord says, it'll be here in a few months, a few years, a few decades. The Lord thinks in terms of centuries and millennium, and we think in terms of days and months. Sometimes the answer the Lord gives us is not within our time frame. Sometimes we become like Zechariah and we become discouraged that we feel like we're not being heard, that our prayers aren't being answered. But the Lord hears our prayers. The Lord hears the cries of our heart. That is the hope and the good news of Advent. That's the hope and the good news of Christmas. That God hears the cries of our heart. Second thing we can take away from this text is that you are significant to the Lord. You are significant to the Lord. You matter to God. And that God undistances himself, not just to the people of Israel generally, but God undistances himself to specific individuals like we see here in the text. That God specifically comes close to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, Luke, this passage starts off, in the time of Herod, the king of Judea. And you'd expect it to then read about how God draws close to Herod the great king, Herod the great, Herod the ruler of this province. That's what you would expect it to read. But instead it says, in the time of King Herod, there was a, a priest named Zechariah. And not just a normal priest, but a priest who was old, a priest who was childless. This one couple, this one poor family, this one of 18,000 priests, someone who is insignificant in the eyes of the world, insignificant in the eyes of the community that they carried with them, the shame that their community bestowed upon them. That's to them, to those that the world deemed as insignificant that God drew near to. And that God draws near to you as well. 
But no matter how insignificant you may think you are, I mean, I'm not Herod. You're not Herod. We're not going to be political rulers of the world. Our names are most likely not going to be written down in any history books. But that doesn't mean that you are insignificant to the Lord. In fact, Scripture says that God draws near to those people especially. I love what Elizabeth says in verse 25. The Lord has taken away my shame. And the Lord does it because the Lord loves Elizabeth and Zechariah. Because Elizabeth and Zechariah matter to the Lord, that their prayers were heard by the Lord because God loves them. Because God loves them. I'm going to close with the story if the band and communion stewards want to come up. Uh, I think I've told this story before. I'm pretty sure I have. I'm just going to tell it again because uh, it fit really well. When I was an undergrad, I was, went to undergrad in Arkansas. Arkansas is significantly colder than Texas. And it would snow in Arkansas. And there was this one, I think it was the second year I was there. It was snowing. And I was walking outside. And it was one of those times that I was really, really angry at God. You ever have those times where you just kind of yell at God in your prayers? Or you just kind of let him know how you're really feeling? It was after one of those prayer times. And it was around dinner, and so I'm going to the uh, dining hall to get dinner by myself. And I, I'm walking out, and it's snowing outside, very light snow. And I'm walking right outside my dorm, and I look, and I see that there's an individual snowflake that had landed on my arm. And being a good Texas boy, I had never seen an individual snowflake like that. And it was so intricate, and it was so beautiful, and it was so intricately stitched together I just kind of stared at it for about 10 to 15 seconds, just mesmerized at this snowflake. And then the snowflake blew away, never to be seen again by anyone ever again. And in that moment, the Lord said to me, Jeremy, did you see how much work I put into that one snowflake? Do you see how much work I put into so many individual snowflakes that are never seen by anyone or are seen for a fraction of a second? What makes you think that I don't put the same care and effort and intentionality into you? Because I love you so much more than these snowflakes. That you are significant to the Lord. We all have these desires, these deisis prayers of our heart. We all have them. So before we come up and take communion... I just want us to take some time and offer up those heart pleas, those heart-wrenching prayers, those deep-seated desires of our heart that maybe you feel like you can't offer to the Lord. I want to say to you today, pray those heart-wrenching prayers. Pray those pleas. Pray those things that you so desperately want to say to the Lord because He can take it. Do you come to these services expecting to have a divine encounter with the Lord like Zechariah? Or do you just come out of habit? Because the Lord desires to meet with us here when we gather. Advent is about drawing, God drawing near to us and us responding by drawing near to him. So friends, bow your heads and just offer up those prayers to the Lord as we draw close to him.